Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Socks on Tap. This is Tony Marchese. Tonight, I'm joined by Steve. And Steve, we're going to talk about a rough one on the south side of Chicago tonight. But before we do that, make sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, as our guy Buzz would say. And be sure you're going to Grandstand for all of your Chicago White Sox gear needs when you make your trip down to the ballpark. This show is presented by Grandstand. Steve, how are you doing, my friend? Because this one tonight just uh, it it wasn't fun. It it had some pain points. Uh, I think there were some things that the Sox could have done better. Hey, Otone. This was the first game that I have watched on my couch since last Friday against the Texas Rangers. So I almost didn't really know what to do with myself here. Um, overarching thoughts, though. I mean, this was certainly a game that was definitely frustrating. It was a winnable game against Shane Bieber, who did not have his top-level stuff tonight, and I didn't take advantage of some opportunities that they had to uh, to get back in this game, and, you know, uh, one bad inning from Dallas Keuchel. That was a difference tonight. Yeah, Steve, and, and let's get right into this one here. Uh, Shane Bieber did not have his best stuff uh, that uh, you know you're used to seeing out of him, but early on uh, that first inning, man, the first inning, second inning, he looked like he was going to be electric tonight. Everything that I saw on Twitter was we're going to be lucky to get a hit. Um, you know, let, let's just talk a little bit about Shane Bieber, and you know, the, the White Sox did get him tonight, so I think that that's important to talk about. Interesting thing with Shane Bieber tonight. So, you know, obviously he had the start against the Sox. Um, you know, was it two, two and a half weeks ago uh, when he was paired up against Giolito when he had that top-level stuff right there. And he went the nine the nine shutout innings. I think he gave up only one or two hits, had, had a 12 or 13 strikeouts. And that was Shane Bieber at his best. Those first two innings, like, like you talked about there, he, he looked very sharp. Uh, from the outset there, and he was doing, he had a much different approach tonight through through the first couple of innings, and it really kind of continued throughout the game, uh, not necessarily as effective as the first two innings versus what he did in the previous start, where against right-handed hitters, what he was really doing, um, and he did this against Timmy to, to lead off the game, was he was utilizing the fat, the elevated fastball at the top outer third quadrant of the, of the strike zone to put guys away. Conversely, against lefties, we saw this with Adam Eaton all night, and then with Yohan Mankata early on in the game, he was using that upper outer third strike to get ahead in the count and then utilize the the breaking ball, particularly the slider down and in on the left-handed hitters to put guys away. Uh, first time through the order, Sox really had some struggles with that, and it was a much different approach than what we saw from Bieber with the curveball-heavy arsenal 
the first start against them earlier in the season here. So uh, second time through, they made some nice adjustments, though. But uh, early on, it looked like it might be another rough night against Bieber. But the Sox, you know, adjusted to his game plan there and put together some strong at-bats and made this thing interesting. No, they absolutely did, Steve. And, and let's get into this right here. Uh, the White Sox did strike first in the second, uh, but Cleveland uh, comes right out in that third inning against Dallas Keuchel. Um, and why don't you take us through uh, that that third inning uh, that uh, Cleveland did the damage? Well, the the thing started out pretty pretty well. Diamond Dallas, you know, got uh, you chained to strike out on a very nice change up on the outer third of of the plate there to get get things started. Then Andres Jimenez gets a base hit, and then Dallas just lost complete control of the strike zone. Back-to-back walks to uh, Cesar Hernandez and, and Jordan Luplo just simply was falling behind guys, couldn't spot it, couldn't locate that cutter. So you're now put yourself in a position here where you got the bases loaded for Jose Ramirez. This is the one guy in Cleveland's lineup that I think we can all agree you don't want to let be. No, you, and you, you don't want to ever see. I, don't, I, I hate when he comes up to bat. <laughs> it really, really, it's just it's a feeling of dread that comes up here, but unfortunately. Dallas was in a position where he had pitched and he even fell behind there eventually um, you know, a little bit out of the plate that Ramirez was able to hit up the middle for a for a two-run single there. So the Indians, you know, get on the board there, take a two to one lead. And then Fran Mill Reyes hits hits just an, a high chopper down to third base. Yohan Makaz only plays at first base, so that lets another run score right there. And then uh, old arch nemesis, Eddie Rosario, RBI single up the middle there. So Keuchel, just fastball command, just got completely away from him there in that third inning. And this was really the turning point in the in this game right here because you, you go out there and you spot Shane Bieber, a three-run lead. Uh, more oftentimes than not, you're not going to come back and win that game, unfortunately. No. Um, and it was actually interesting, Steve, to see the White Sox – come right back out in that third inning and do a little damage of their own. I think that gave me a little bit of hope uh, for this game. Uh, you know, you you actually get the, to the three-run mark on Shane Bieber pretty early. His pitch count was elevated. Um, there, there was some signs for hope in this ball game. Um, take us through uh, the bottom half of that inning, and then let's let's dissect some of the offense that went down here. Yeah, bottom half of the inning there um... – you know, Mr. Laser Show, Nicky Madrigal, leads things off the bloop double down the right field line. Jordan Luplo tried making a diving catch on it, wasn't able to come up with it. So had a man on second base there with nobody out. And Timmy coming up. And this is where, as I talked about, Timmy made a real nice adjustment from at bat to at bat, understanding that first time up, Bieber used the elevated fastball on the outer third to put him away. Tim was up there looking for the pitch early on in the at-bat, went the other way with it, had, had a nice RBI single there to right field to get the Sox to a 4-2 lead there. Timmy then being aggressive on the base pass again out there, steals second base, puts himself in scoring position. And, um, you know, so now you, you got a spot here. You got the time run coming to the plate. Anderson at, at second base right there. And Adam Eaton really just got abused by Shane Bieber pretty much the entire night. Him and um, Andrew Vaughn, unfortunately, just had no answer for, for the slider that Bieber was throwing out there. Eaton in particular, um, like I said, he was using that elevated fastball in the outer third to get ahead in counts and then using the breaking ball down and in particular to put him away. But it, it was interesting in this third inning, Bieber and Stone commented on this uh, during the broadcast. 
Bieber hung a couple of breaking balls and got got away with them there. He got he got away he with did. a high he got away with a high one there to to Eaton that he just simply swung through, and then you know next hitter up Yohan Moncada there. A little bit of a rolling breaking ball on, on a one-two pitch. Yoan stayed with it nicely and was able to just fight it off up the middle there. Score Timmy. So now you got a four to three game here. And you got you just you, you had a chance here. And then Jose Abreu comes up again, just you know, a, a shallow pop out, and you're mean Mercedes with, with a strikeout right there to end the threat. So you're back in the game at four to three right there. And you would have loved to have seen you know, Pito and, and the Yerminator be able to come through to tie this thing up right there because I think that really could have been a momentum changer. Yeah, it absolutely could have there, Steve. And I think, uh, you know, it, it's frustrating to see your middle-of-the-order guys, your mashers, Jose Abreu, Yerman Mercedes, right now I think are the two guys that, you know, can do the most damage with the bat in this lineup. Um, it, it's frustrating to see them go down, but at the same point in time, like we were facing Shane Bieber too. So I, I figured uh, coming out of that inning uh, that there was going to be some more opportunities to score in this game. If we can chase him early enough. Um, unfortunately uh, the Sox really don't mount much after that. Uh, as far as runs uh, that is, they did not score again through the remainder of this ball game. Uh, but Steve uh, Shane Bieber uh, does give way over to Shaw, uh, who works a clean inning for them. And then Karen Check comes into the game um, and just let, let's talk about that inning because his actually, stuff. Actually, actually, Tony, before we, before we get to get to that, um, I, I want to touch on a couple things that happened in the bottom half of the fifth inning here because the Sox oh, had know, an go opportunity. Right on go right on. Sox had, a, Sox had an opportunity there to to tie this game up or even take the lead. You know, Timmy again, another another solid at bat taking a hanging breaking ball from Shane Bieber into right field for, for a single. And then Tim Anderson, a, another stolen baser on what was a just phenomenal yes. slide to get away from the, from the tag of Andres Jimenez there really taking his body away from, from the, from the bag was called out initially play got reviewed and overturned there. Again, this is just another example of some of the things I've been talking about lately with Timmy and his baseball acumen for a guy that did not really play this game actively until 16 is really off the charts. And and this was just another example of what a solid base runner that this guy is and just a, a really complete player that he's turning into. So, again, now you're, you're in a spot. You got the tying run at second base with nobody out. Adam Eaton, again, next hitter, gets abused by Shane Bieber on, on a slider out of the strike zone. Yohan Makata comes up. Works a walk, has just a very, very strong at bat um, against Shane Bieber. Was really seeing the ball pretty well coming out of his hands. So you got first and second, one out, and you got your big boppers coming up here. And Jose Abreu and your mean Mercedes, you're feeling good about things. You're thinking, hey, we got a chance to at least tie this game up, knock Bieber out of this game. So like I said, coming off of that Moncada walk, Abreu, first pitch, does what we've seen far too often here early on in this season trying to pull pitches on the outer third of the plate, rolling over it, breaking his bat, hitting that ground ball to short, was, wasn't was able to uh, you know hit into the double play there, only turned into a fielder's choice, fortunately for the Sox. But then you're mean. Again, next pitch flies out to, to right field. So you had an opportunity. You had Bieber on the ropes, had a chance to take him out with your number four and five hitters, both of them going out there swinging at pitches, Right away, first pitch of the at-bat, 
and and just killing a rally right there. And that was really the nail in the coffin for this game. Yeah, it was. And and I want to go back to something that you said about Tim Anderson and the fact that, uh, you know, he only picked this up uh, when he was 16 years old. And, and you forget that Tim Anderson is still learning in this game. And yet he is such a difference maker. Um, that, that's just incredible right there in and of itself. And I don't think that we take the time to sit back and actually uh, appreciate that, Steve, um, as White Sox fans, uh, as much as it probably should be appreciated. So I, I love that you brought that up. Yeah, that's that's very spot on there. Um, Timmy, you know, Timmy has made a, a believer of, out of me. I was someone that was very critical of him early on in his career, and I had a lot of question marks about whether or not he was the right guy to be a leadoff hitter on this team. He has made me eat my words, and he's continuing to add something to his game on a year-in, year-out basis, and and you just love to see it. You absolutely do, and uh, I, I myself was critical of him as well. I thought he was not going to be anything more than a, a seven-hitter. Um I questioned whether or not he was going to stick through this entire rebuild uh, when he had first come up. And he has become such an important piece of this team because he was, he was already here from the start. And he's really, I mean, he's really shown it every step of the way um, through this entire thing and become a, a bonafide star almost Steve, if not already. Um, so it's, it's just impressive to see that. And you're right. I mean, just even the slide tonight, um, uh, getting around uh, a tag like that, we complain a lot about guys base running. Tim Anderson is he's learned from his mistakes. He's improved in every aspect of his game um, and stuff like that, that you see him making next level plays. Again, I just go back to underappreciated for him sometimes. Um, and, and maybe that's just my own feeling on it. Maybe I'm not appreciating him enough, but uh, it's, it's just good. To, it's just good shit to see there. Um, I do wish that that inning panned out a little bit better than uh than it ended up doing, but um, we got to move along in this one, Steve. Um, let, let's get into the uh, the eighth inning with uh, Karen Jack on the mound. Um, some weird stuff going on when he pitches against the White Sox, man. Uh, you saw him cross up Cesar Hernandez uh, in the last series and uh, wound up hitting him in the hand. I'm, do you remember that play, Steve? Uh, I think you mean Roberto Perez. Oh, Roberto Perez. Yes, Roberto Perez. I'm I'm looking at the wrong name. Cracking beers and uh, and saying wrong names is 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 what uh, what I'm good at here. Uh, but do you remember when he crossed the mound in the last series? And there there was some miscommunication going on on the mound again today for him as well. And and it was particularly comical because you had Stone and Benetti really just making light of the fact that look, this is a a two pitch pitcher. You're talking about a fastball hard overhand curve guy in all the years that I pitched and I granted, look, I'm not pitching in the major leagues or anything like that, but I don't know that I ever had a circumstance where I couldn't get on the same page as, as my catcher. Now, granted, I was one of those kind of hard asses that I always felt that, look, the ball's in my hand. I'm going to decide what I'm going to throw here. But I always felt that I had a, pretty good enough rapport with the catchers that caught me consistently, whether it was in high school or in travel ball, that we were pretty much in sync and and had a plan of attack and knew how we were going to approach guys. So really there wasn't a lot of shaking off, but to have this happening continually with, with Karen check where 
he he can't get his sequencing or he can't get his signs um, straight with a guy again when he only has two pitches. It makes zero sense to me at all. No, it it, it really does not. Um, but he is one of those guys, Steve, that I just I hate, and it's the the he's Cleveland a weirdo. Indian he's a weirdo. Let's, let's just be let let's just say what it is. He's an absolute weirdo. They showed him being all fidgety out there on the mound, doing his little you know like toe taps like Clevenger used to do, and just constantly just like you know he's like he's got this nervous tick about him, and he's just irritating as hell to watch. Yes, he is, and I I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's a more irritating Cleveland Indian to me than than him, and I just I, I Jim don't told like me. I don't, it, no, Jesus Christ, Steve. That's right. I said it. I said what I said. Do we have to go down this path? I, mean, I said it is what Friday I said. Night. Why, why? Let's let's explain to the listeners who who may not know the whole reasoning behind that because you you just opened up Pandora's box. Uh, probably because I had to live a good portion of my childhood watching him hit walk off home runs to beat the Sox, and I never forgot that. And then, you know, a year after, you know, or, or a couple weeks after one of the happiest moments of my life on October 26th of 2005, Sox waved goodbye to the greatest hitter in the history of the franchise, Frank Edward Thomas, and they trade for this guy. And a large portion of the, of the fan base, for some reason, wants to prop up Jim Tomey and disrespect the big hurt. And I got a big problem with that. Do you have an article about that on on tap sports net yet, Steve? I don't think I've ever written that because I don't know that I could get through an entire article without every other word being fuck. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just an, it just an interesting thing there because a lot of people around these parts consider Jim Tomei to be a white Sox legend. And we all know he came, we all know that he came through in recruiting Bryce Harper to be a white Sox and that uh, the United center was all drawn up for, for Bryce Harper's arrival. And and Jim Tomei just, I don't know what happened. So if I, if I'm going to think of a guy that was on, on the white Sox for a short time frame and that's what Jim Tomey was on the White Sox for a short time frame. If there's one guy that had a similar tenure uh in terms of length that I would consider to be a White Sox legend, his name would be Jermaine Die. Because you know what Jermaine Die did? He was a World Series M V P period paragraph. You know what's really interesting is uh actually Steve post game show yesterday i know we're going breaking into some some fun topics but after after the post game show yesterday johnny and i were having a conversation about win now guys and who the best win now guys are in in chicago sports you know history maybe over the last 20 years we you know marion hosa was the win now guy for the chicago blackhawks uh you know it's it's very obvious that uh, john lester was the win now guy for the, uh, the 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 team that plays up on the north side, um, and then we, we went back to the White Sox. We're like, who was that win now guy? And we settled on Jermaine Die. Actually, and that was my pick. Was Jermaine Die was the win now guy acquisition? But I need to hear from you. Who was your win now guy from the two thousand and five White Sox? Oh boy, that's um... an acquisition that was made right at the beginning of a contention window. And I think what makes it really interesting is that I don't think in 2005 we really felt like we were entering 
quote unquote a contention window, so to speak. Okay, if if there's one guy maybe that, that I can think of it, and he wasn't he was acquired during the 2004 season, and he was acquired to try to help push that team over the hump before Frank and Maglio got hurt. I got to go with sweaty Freddie Garcia. And this is a guy that was my my nemesis uh, for a number of years after 05 because it seemed like every time I would go to the park, he would pitch. He would be taking sweet-ass time. He'd give up four, four earned runs over five or six innings, and it would be about a three-and-a-half-hour game with just a terrible pace. And so I really grew to almost despise him. But, I mean, they brought him in in 2004 in that Ben Davis deal Mm-hmm. And he was supposed to be the guy that was gonna gonna kind of be an anchor at the top of the rotation there with with Mark Burley was gonna get them in the playoffs in 04. And then obviously, like I said, Frank and Maglio get hurt that year. Then the following year, think about this, okay? And I, I don't know how many people have really thought about this. Freddie Garcia was the starting pitcher when they clinched the central division in Detroit. He started game three when they clinched in Boston. He pitched the third of the four consecutive complete games in the ALCS and he started game four of the world series. That's uh that's some pretty tall timber right there. Yeah, that is. And I, I think maybe I excluded him uh, in that conversation. I think we had some stipulations around free agent signings and whatnot, but I think that Freddie Garcia could have been the, the win now move um, for that team. When you actually do look at it, go back there and, uh, think about you know the the mentality of the team and what happened in that that preceding season. Um, that that's a good point. I think Jose Contreras was kind of a a name that you can toss around there as well. But the 2005 White Sox were a little different. Now, Steve, let's let's just look into the future here. Let's have a fun topic uh, for one night because talking about this Cleveland Indians loss uh, is not so fun. Um, if the White Sox were to go on to win the World Series this year, if you're looking into your your Steve Stone crystal ball, uh, who would be the win now acquisition for this 2021 White Sox team? Oh boy, um, Alex Colomig, the Twins. Moving Alex Calame to the Twins. That's a bold answer. That is a bold answer. I, I, I don't know if I like your answer, but, you know, I, I think I think when we were talking last night, uh, I think Liam Hendricks' name was, was, was definitely one of those that was thrown out there. Um, Yasmani Grandal has been thrown out there, but let's look at Yasmani Grandal right now. I don't think he's doing – uh, exactly what, what everybody would want him to do. And I think that that could be a segue into talking about his struggles. And, uh, you know, just, you know, here's another question for you as a follow-up to that. What does Yasmani Grandal need to do, Steve, in your opinion, to figure it out at the plate right now? Because Start hitting the ball in the air. That's it. He is driving that ground ball right on this team right now. He, he really is, and Steve Stone is not holding back when, he, when he's talking about it. So um, ele- as, as the saying goes, elevate and celebrate. Well, you know, I, dude, man, I, I was there uh, last weekend. Uh, I believe that was on uh, Saturday uh, when he, he went morning track power, and I thought, okay, maybe we're going to see a little bit of turnaround here. And since then, 
there hasn't really been a ball that's jumped off of Yasmani Grandal's bat the way you want it to. Yeah, look, he snuck one through the he snuck one through the shift here earlier tonight, but look, we got to call it what it is. He's been he's been dog shit to this point offensively at the plate. You know, he's drawn some walks in there so you know, he's got the on-base percentage that's like 200 points above where his batting average is, but the walks are are okay, I guess, but they need him to be driving the the baseball. I think the interesting thing is, you know, you look at some of the data and some of the information about the fact that this team had the highest run differential in the American league. They have the highest team weighted runs created plus and, and weighted on base average. And offensively, they're near the top of the American league in, in most categories. And the fact of the matter is they really haven't performed that well. And if, if you look at it by and large, they're not driving the baseball. As, as a team. I think after tonight, Abreu's slugging percentage is back below 400. Mankata is below 400. Um, Adam Eaton now is flirting with, with 400. The only guys that are really firmly above that mark to this point are T.A., and he missed you know, 10 days in there, the Yerminator, and Luis Robert. Everybody, and you still have people complaining about Luis Robert, man. Like, there's... I, Who are I these people the, complaining about him? I'd like to have a word with him because from what I'm seeing, I'll, I'll tell you this much. I've been impressed as hell by some of the adjustments that he has been making at the plate. And, and I'll give you one particular example. Game on Sunday in, in the fifth or the sixth inning when he drew a walk, there was a 2-2 slider on the on the lower third of, of the plate just out of the strike zone that in September of last year, he's swinging through that pitch. He's pulling off and he's, and he took that pitch very nicely. Next pitch was able to work a walk. So we're starting to see some. Are, are you talking about, are you talking about the game that we were all at together? Was everybody there on Sunday? Or no, that was Saturday. I think it was Saturday, yeah. but he did draw a yeah. walk on Saturday where he laid off two sliders and I legitimately remember sitting in the scout seats and screaming, here comes a slider. Do not swing at this shit. Um, and then, re- like, you know, rewarded him with some claps afterwards. And I told him it was coming again, and he took a walk. And I was really happy with that. Um, I don't think I had any effect on that at bat, Steve. But, you know, you like, I, I was screaming it at the top of my lungs. I lost my voice a little bit because I just wanted to coach him through that at bat. Because you can see that shit coming from a mile away. From the couch, you can see it. Here's a slider, another slider for Luis Robert. It's the same plan that they've had against Eloy Jimenez, that they had against Yohan Moncada. The book on these guys that we've had is throw these sliders anytime you're ahead in the count. And that's the same thing we're kind of seeing in certain instances right now with Andrew Vaughn tonight being a perfect example of that with Shane Bieber. He was getting ahead of him and putting him away with sliders down and out of the strike zone. And I'm not even going to fault Andrew Vaughn for this because the fact of the matter is Andrew Vaughn never at any point in his life up until three or four weeks ago saw a slider that looked anything like what Shane Bieber was throwing up at him tonight. He sure as hell didn't see anything that looked like that in, in Winston-Salem in 2019. So well, I'm not going to fault Andrew Vaughn for this. <laughs> some some of that, though, Steve, in, in my opinion, before the Eloy injury, if we want to go back a couple months, take the time machine, back a couple months where people wanted Andrew Vaughn to be on this team and taking critical at-bats 
in situations like this against guys like Shane Bieber that, I mean, honestly, most of, most of our lineup had issues with Shane Bieber, but Andrew Vaughn is, is he, he was accelerated to the major leagues at this point. So there's, there's no arguing with the, you know, he, he, he's going to struggle with it, but also at the same point in time, we also see people on twitter.com. I know you're not, you're not very active on there anymore or, or well, maybe twitter.com. I'm not going to explain it to you. Um, you know, there's still people who are sitting there saying, well, why was Lurie pinch hit for Andrew Vaughn? And I kind of also go back to the fact that like Andrew Vaughn hasn't even seen double a pitching before looks absolutely terrible against Shane Bieber. There's a reason to take him out in that situation. And, you know, maybe Lurie's that guy after being hot yesterday. Like that's, that's, I feel like that's valid a little bit. You're going to roast me on it. That's fine. But Andrew Vaughn in that situation, yes, we all want him to hit his home run. Yes. He's a college. He was a college professional hitter. That was, that was absolutely fantastic, but he hasn't, he hasn't shown it yet. I will I will say this that the quality of Andrew Vaughn's at bats in the last seven to ten days has improved dramatically. I know obviously he had the three hits in the, in game two yesterday, um, and then and being being in the ballpark for, for both of those and being able to see you know firsthand the approach and the ability to make adjustments within particular at bats is something that he started to pick up on. And I think that just goes to show how advanced of a hitter this guy really is, even at a relatively young age professional from a games played standpoint there. All I will say is that I wouldn't have hit Larry Garcia in that spot. No, I would not have hit Larry Garcia in that spot. All I'm saying is, is I can see the thought process from Tony LaRusso there. I can I can I can see the thought process. I know where he was trying to go. Do I agree with it? No. I also do agree with something you said, and I even tweeted about it the other day. Andrew Vaughn's swing right now looks as crisp as anybody else's on this team. I think he's able to drive the ball. We saw that last night. Um, you know, I think there's a home run coming for him because he's he's able to hit those gaps even when he's swinging and missing Steve. His head's down. He's he's focused. He's locked in. I, you talked about the approach you saw from the ballpark. Uh, Joe Coolman, 24, comes in. Then why not go to Collins over Lurie? Collins has a better chance to hit a homer uh, or walk off than Lurie. I, th- I absolutely agree with that one. I mean, you're late in this ball game anyway. Um, you can go there. Uh, and I think th- in there, particular there's, because – There's other options. There's other but, options than Lurie Garcia. I, th- I feel like Lurie Garcia, though, has become a hotbed, and I'm going to go play defense for Johnny Nani here for like two seconds. He's a hotbed of of the ire of White Sox Twitter because he's – I mean, I, I think Lurie Garcia is a, is a perfect utility guy. He's not your everyday starter, but he has shown some stuff from time to time. There's some flashes in the pan from Lurie. Otherwise, Johnny wouldn't be so happy about it, Steve. My my issue is is this, and I think that this comes down to a thought process problem. And this was, you know, we saw this happen in the game Tuesday night that they gave away against the Tigers. And Tony talking about the fact that he left Billy Hamilton and Larry in the game to hit in the eighth inning because he was looking for a single. 
if you look at Class A's numbers and if you look at and if you study what he has done to this point in the season here, your probability of stringing together three to four hits in an inning against this guy is not great. You got a guy throwing a hundred mile an hour cutter. So to think that you're going to be able to put together three or four hits to score two runs, I don't like the odds of that. So in that particular spot there, I would rather roll with Andrew Vaughn or with Zach Collins, a guy that maybe their bat runs into one and finds its way over that fencing that they set up before the game and you got a tie game with a chance to go do your stupid bullshit softball rule in the 10th inning versus Larry hitting a ground ball to the second baseman. No, that, I think that's perfectly valid. Um, what are you going to do here? Like I, Eloy Jimenez is in that spot. If you, if you don't have an Eloy Jimenez injury. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we, we can go back and chalk things up to, you know, shit down the, the that's way back down the road um, that are causes for these losses. But I mean, Steve, at the end of the day, you got to find ways to beat opponents. Um, but there's also going to be times where opponents are going to throw their ace and you're going to lose. I think it was encouraging tonight. If we're going to take one little silver lining from this thing, the, uh, the White Sox were able to get to Shane Bieber. I'd like to see them beat Shane Bieber at some point in time this year. I think they'll get the opportunity to do so, um, but he is going to be a tough nut to crack uh, when it comes to that, man. He uh, actually, what, did he break the record or tie the record of most consecutive eight strikeouts in a game tonight against the broke White it. Sox? He broke it. Um, yep. He is just a, another part of that Cleveland Indians pitching factory that they seem to uh, have over there. Um, used to be the St. Louis Cardinals. Now it seems to be the Cleveland Indians, Steve. It's it's hell in the AL Central when it comes to that kind of type of stuff. It really is, but I guess I just take solace in knowing the fact that the baseball team is not even going to be in Cleveland for much longer because that lease on the stadium is up in five years and nobody in that city gives a shit about that team. So they're probably going to go to Montreal or, or wherever, maybe Nashville, who knows? I mean, Cleveland doesn't deserve anything nice. All the bad things in, in baseball deserve to happen to them. And moving on. Moving on. We've got another game tomorrow. That was a perfect, perfect segue. Uh, for this one, another game tomorrow, 3.05 start time, Steve, on Saturday afternoon. Perfect time to crack them, enjoy some some beers and, and watch some baseball. I believe you will be in attendance. I think Andrew Kinsler is in your same exact section. Uh, I expect you to, to uh, put down as many hot dogs as you guys possibly can uh, during that time frame. Um, and we'll be watching that from, from the, the website, twitter.com, that you are – uh, not part of um, any longer, but uh, you know, I, I, Andrew's Andrew's a good guy. I hope you get to uh, uh, meet him and uh, we and we actually uh, yeah we we actually met uh, last Saturday at uh, Cork and Carry before the game, so that was the first time I, I got to meet him in person. So yeah, cool 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 dude. So definitely looking forward to uh, sitting in the same session with him tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe we'll cause a little chaos, and you know, it would be nice if we could get a Yasmani Grandal home run out of, out of this because he and I are two of the big uh, Yaz supporters, obviously, along with uh, Johnny Nani here. And it's going to be 80 degrees tomorrow, so hopefully the launching pad opens up. Let's get the ball in the air. Let's hit some dingers, and let's see some fucking fireworks, baby. You you know I love fireworks, Steve. And I, I'm loving this one, too, because we've got my guy on the mound coming back off the aisle. Lance Lynn expected to start. He's 1-1 one and one 
with a 0.92 ERA, 27 strikeouts on the year so far. Uh, facing off against Tristan McKenzie, um, he, he looks like he's maybe five years old. Uh, 4.32 ERA, 23 strikeouts. He's uh, got a clean 0-0 record on the year. Uh, we've he's seen also him six foot seven, one hundred twenty-five pounds. Yeah, it's it's he's a he's an interesting specimen, Steve, isn't he? Yeah, I mean that's um, I I struggle to think of another pitcher in recent vintage that is that lanky, um, and and particularly not a left-hander either. You know, yes, the, the one, yes, the one that's, that's, the one that's that, where I'm going with this too. Yeah, the one that people you know people obviously always come back to to Randy Johnson or yeah uh, you know it's just it's it's fascinating. It seems like those guys are always lefties. You know when they're really tall, slight. Obviously Chris yes. Sale here, his time on the south mm-hmm. side, but uh, McKenzie, I think even you know dwarfs you know Sale in terms of that uh, lankiness. No, he's he's definitely interesting. Uh, what are you expecting though out of Lance Lynn tomorrow in his return? Uh, he's looked pretty damn good uh, so far in a White Sox uniform, Steve. And he's just one of my favorites um, when it comes to you know just White Sox pitchers. I feel like Lance Lynn just really embodies South Side, um, and I, I just I, I love the guy. I know Johnny loves the guy. I feel like he. He's a socks on tap, crack him kind of guy, Lance Lynn. What are you expecting out of him on the mound tomorrow? Here's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting a ton of fastballs of varying varieties, and I expect him to just say, here it comes, you sons of bitches. Hit it if you can. I mean, that, I mean that's it. We talk about mentality, and I know I've talked about this on, on it's a, a cool and tough shows. mentality. It's a cool and tough mentality. Exactly. Look, this is this is a guy that has the the bulldog mentality about him, and he says, "I'm going to come right at you. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Mike Trout. I don't care if you're the ghost of Babe Ruth. I'm going to come right at your ass because I don't think you can hit what I got. So prove me wrong." Yeah, and I love that. I think that uh, again, we talk about socks on tap, socks on tap, cool and tough guys. Uh, Lance Lynn is right up there. I think that's why. He's definitely one of my favorites. But, Steve, uh, I, I think this one tomorrow is going to be a White Sox winner. I, I absolutely do. Lance Lynn's going to shove on the mound tomorrow. Um, and if I'm going to go with my uh, pick to click here, I'm going to Adam Eaton because he's taken Tristan McKenzie deep before. Um, I think that Adam Eaton – is is a little bit pissed off at the Cleveland Indians. We saw a little flare up with them uh, before you get eaten in this lineup. Just just one little home run over the right field fence. I think he's he's my guy for tomorrow. Who you got? I am going to take Yoan Mankata. I think the the quality of the bats has been significantly improved here. Like I said, over the last seven to ten days. I know we hit uh, hit the the home run in game two last night. I think he's going to take Tristan McKenzie deep here. So I think we're going to start to see some significant power output from Mankata here in the days and weeks to come. I absolutely think and, and hope at the same time that we see the, the power surge from Mankata because I really want him to be a 20 home run plus guy, not only for my fantasy baseball team, Steve, but just for Yohan Mankata in general. I want to see more fireworks provided by, uh, Johan Moncada, and I think that uh, he he does like to feast on some Cleveland Indian pitching from time to time. And I and I love to see that. And listen, if he goes out there and has himself a 
a nice afternoon, he can always, you know, just hop on the Skyway or hop on the Bishop Ford, come on out here to the underground club scene in Northwest Indiana that uh, he he likes to frequent from what my sources on the streets tell me. And uh, listen, you go out there, you hit a couple of dingers in a game, you know, you get free drinks all night. Let's go. There you go. Steve's joining Yohan Mancata. Uh, you'd get those photos if you were part of uh, whatever new social media network that Steve's part of. Uh, maybe he'll give you the invite to that one. Are you, what are you, clubhouse guy now? What, what, what are all the new, the, the young kids like you doing these days, Steve? Uh, well, I, I'm working on a proprietary, um, you know, alternative to some of these social media outlets that are, that are going right now. So stay tuned on that. There you go. Steve's, Steve's developing his own social network. Um, you heard it here first. Steve, it's always great talking White Sox baseball with you. Uh, despite the outcome, I'm drinking misery beers tonight, as I like to call them uh, when the White Sox lose. Uh, but it's always great talking White Sox baseball with you. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Uh, I, I hope our predictions come true. Lance Lynn shoves it down the Cleveland Indians' throat. Uh, and you get to uh, enjoy some more fireworks um, tomorrow night. Uh, we'll be back with another Sox on tap post game tomorrow. You might get me. You might get Buzz. You might get Johnny. You might get Steve. Who knows? Uh, it's always a mixed bag here. But we will be back again Sunday as well uh, with another show, too, as the White Sox and Cleveland Indians round out the series. Stay with us on Sox on tap for all the post games after every White Sox game. Steve. Cheers, my friend. Let's close this one down the way we always do. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.